Hello, parents of my little friends again. Um, today, I want to talk to you guys about the environment. So what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of environment? For me, I think of, you know, the trees outside, general outdoors, the ozone layer. That's the first thing that comes to mind when I think of environment. But today, we're going to put a little spin on that environment and talk about the most ideal feeding environment. So one of the things that my family loves to do is watch TV while eating dinner. And it's a big, it's just a tradition. You know what I mean? It's something that we've been doing for a very long time. I think we started when me and my brother were probably in maybe middle school or closer to high school, actually. Before then, we never really watched TV. But then I guess something just switched and something flipped and we just needed to watch TV while we ate dinner. Not sure why, but you know, every once in a while we'll just pause the TV and then just have conversations with one another when we really need to talk about something or when we just miss each other. So it's not like we just watch TV all the time and not talk. We do talk. We just happen to always have the TV on in the background. Do any of you guys have any traditions like that? Because it's just something that we've always done. Well, think about that for a second. So I want to caveat this and say that I don't want to change. I don't want you to change. I have no control. But I don't want you to change your traditions. But what we're going to talk about today is environmental changes that you can do in the home to help your child be a better eater or to just eat in general. So these are all just suggestions. Please contact your therapist if you have any more questions or concerns about any of this stuff. Please reach out to them because they know you, they know your child more than I do. So one of the biggest things that I've read about and I've come to learn is that distractions make it really hard for the child to eat. So it basically comes in the way of their feeding and eating. So one way to to not have distractions would be no TV, no toys while they eat, no other preferred items, you know, while they're eating. And just sitting down together at the table, engaging in conversations and only thinking about food. Lessen all distractions. I know that's easier said than done because if you're t- if you have a picky eater or if your child doesn't eat much and they will only eat with the TV on, I know that can get really stressful sometimes. But we sh- I think it's very important to try to limit those distractions. There are always exceptions, you know, to every rule. I mean, not every kid is the same. So if your kid only eats with the TV on and you need to feed your child and you know, you have nutritional, like you, you have fears about their nutrition and things like that, then definitely, you know, feed them the best way that you can. But I think gradual changes to the environment really, really make a difference. Another thing about the environment that kind of falls into the environmental category is having a regular schedule. So regularly scheduling meals at consistent times and locations, it helps set up a routine for kiddos. And routines are so important for them. They need to understand what's going to happen next, and it really helps them with transitions as well. So let's say before dinner every day, you guys sit down and do a puzzle, right? 
or some other fun activity that you all do together. Not too fun, though. That's another thing we'll talk about a little later. But just the same activity before dinner, then they know what's coming next, right? They know that dinner is coming at this time after this activity. So just scheduling all snacks and meals for the same time, you know, so your child knows what to expect. Another thing to help with this would be a visual calendar for eating. So maybe have a board with um, boxes and little... um, What's that thing called where you stick it on there and then it comes off? Velcro. (laughs) There you go. So with Velcro and just, you know, okay, there's breakfast, there's a snack, there's lunch, there's a little snack, and then there's dinner. And so every time you do one, you take the, you peel that sticker off and you, that Velcro piece off and you say, look, this is what we've done so far. And this is what we still have to do. Sometimes seeing it really helps kiddos just to ex- just to know what to expect. All right, so the other thing is how long should a mealtime actually be? You know what I mean? Like what is the appropriate time to feed your child? Because I know some parents with picky eaters or problem feeders, they spend hours trying to feed their kids and their life is consumed by it. I mean with reason because you're worried about your child and you don't you want them to have all the nutritional needs but spending an hour an hour and a half on every meal three times a day that is exhausting for not only you but also the child it increases those demands you know like for the child and the caregiver like both of you are so stressed out because you've been spending an hour and a half on breakfast and the day hasn't even started yet so give your child between 20 to 30 minutes to eat 40 tops and then that way if you you can like set up a timer you can do the visual calendar thing again and you know just talk with them about oh remind them hey, we only have this much time left, finish up. You only have this much time left, finish up. And whatever they don't finish, they don't finish, you know? Um, That's just one strategy. Uh, But it's something to think about because the more tired you are, the less attention you're going to be able to give your kids when it comes to feeding. And that's where they need the attention the most. But sometimes not giving them all the time is what does the trick sometimes. Maybe they just get tired after a while. So that's also something to consider. Another thing that you can do at home, like environment-wise, is a helper plate. I know there's a lot of resources online and a lot of OTs and SLPs, they swear by this. So having a helper plate is basically setting up a plate with the food that the family is eating in front of the child. So if you have, let's say, chicken, mashed potatoes, and green beans, right, but your child doesn't eat any of those, you have chicken, mashed potatoes, and green beans on your plate. Make them a little plate with chicken, mashed potatoes, and green beans and put it in front of them. You can have your their preferred food too, you know, what they will eat there also, but just make it available to them, you know, because that's... That goes hand in hand with like modeling. So kids will do what they see you do, you know? So if you're eating that food, then kids will will sometimes be like, oh, I want to eat that. That's what mom's eating or that's what dad's eating or that's what a sibling is eating. 
So get your get their siblings involved too, you know. Kids learn so much and they mimic so much that if you're displaying those good eating habits, then I know that they will follow as well. <sighs> yeah. So, sorry, I'm saying a lot, (laughs) but I just have so much to say about the environment. We just don't normally think about these little things, and I think they're so very important. Yeah, With modeling, going back to that, you know, it's important to sit with your child and eat the same foods presented. I know I mentioned that a little bit, but sit with them, you know, make that a part of your regular schedule because it will really help them when they see you eat all those great foods. I think another thing to talk about in the environment is therapists can't really do this in the clinic. I don't know if you are parents that go to an outpatient clinic. If you're active kids, then definitely. But I don't know who else is listening and I don't know where your child goes for therapies. But messy food play. Now, outpatient therapists can do this, but to a certain extent, right? And I think it makes much more of an impact when your child can play with you. So food play is so important in the home and it makes the child more comfortable and exposes them to the new foods in their natural environment, you know, in the home where they are every single day, as opposed to in an outpatient clinic where there might be one or two times a week, if that. So offer different foods that can get messy and even if they aren't preferred, you know, make it fun. Again, do that modeling, do it with them, sit down and play with them, explore it together. And maybe every once in a while they'll take a lick or they'll kiss it or they'll put it all over their faces and some of it will get into their mouth. You never know. Mashed potatoes are really good for this too. And uh, I've seen parents that like put food coloring in mashed potatoes to make it look like not mashed potatoes. And it's just, it's a, it's a lot of fun and it exposes them to all these different types of foods. And eventually they, they take a bite and that's all that we can hope for. Another thing to do at home could be like involving your kiddo while you're cooking Cooking together is very, very important. Uh, If you're worried about your child, you know, cooking with you and there's knives involved, hot things involved, keep it simple. You know what I mean? If you're tossing a salad, have them toss it. You know, get their hands in there. Have them do it with their hands just so they can see what goes into the food. You know, understand where it's coming from and what they're eating. Sometimes that makes such a big difference. Even when that's not even cooking, but even setting up the table or cleaning up the table, you know, get them involved in what they're doing. Make it part of your regular schedule. You know, oh, uh, today Bobby will, you know, set up the table and then tomorrow his sibling will. So just things like that. I think I think that really helps, too. Okay, the last thing that I want to talk to you about is mealtime transitions. Okay, transitioning can be really, really hard for these kiddos to begin with, right? If your child has an ASD diagnosis, then transitions you know can be very, very difficult to begin with. Now, if you're making them transition to something that they don't want to do, like eat, it gets even harder. So, something that I read about was avoiding those like preferred activities so if your child loves playing outside 
avoid doing that right before meal times because they'll be so excited and they won't want to leave that preferred activity. You know what I mean? So when you schedule out your day, don't schedule something that your child really, really likes before meal times because they won't want to leave that. Because if I'm coloring, I love coloring, I'm coloring, I don't want to stop coloring to eat something that I don't like. You know, think about how you would feel. I think a lot of the times parents forget that these are little humans as well. You know, they're, they forget that kids also feel certain types of things. So put yourself in their shoes. If I'm having these issues with eating mashed potatoes or any, any foods, I'm very, very picky. I don't want to leave something that I love doing to do something that I don't want to do. You know, so they might resist more. So something you could do is do something that's less desired, like something that they don't like doing as much before a mealtime, because if you're if they're doing something they don't like anyways, they're going to want they're just going to be like, OK, let's just move on. Sometimes meals will be even harder to transition to, even if it is something that they don't like doing because they hate mealtime more, you know. So just set a regular schedule and have them sit at the table, wash their hands, do all of that and understand what's coming next, you know, explain it to them. Slow it down a little bit. Um, Again, this is where a visual calendar is really great or even like visual timers and stuff. Be like, oh, you have this much time left on this activity and then we got to eat, you know. And then maybe afterwards you can do something that they do like doing, you know, kind of like a reward system. So if they're sitting there and they, your goal with them is for them to lick those mashed potatoes, right? You have your helper plate in front of you, then you have your preferred foods there too. You want them to lick it, right? And they do lick it during dinner. Something that, something that you can do is give them a reward for licking it. You know, give them a good activity that they like doing after they reach those goals. At, I think it's, Something that's important to talk about too, every step is so important and every little step is big when it comes to feeding, right? If your child is a very picky eater, you know, you understand this. As soon as they eat something that's not in their normal food repertoire, it's so exciting. You're like, oh my gosh, my child has tried something new and that's the best feeling in the world. I know I've seen it. During my time, um, doing my capstone, I've seen kids lick things and touch things and even play with things that they've they've been seriously like opposed to. You know, they have these serious sensory reactions to them, but they do it, and it's the best feeling ever. So make sure you praise them with every little step. You know, you can make all changes in your environment. But if your child doesn't see you excited when they do something great, they might not want to do it again. So I think that's just important to think about. I think that's all I have for you guys. I think there's so much more with the environment, you know. Just talk to your therapist about it. These are just some suggestions and these are just some ways to alter or even improve your environment at home. Again, I don't want to take away from family traditions, you know what I mean? Every kiddo is different. Every family is different. Culture plays a big role in it as well. When I was younger, my parents used to stuff our plates full with food. And it was a big cultural thing because it was rude to not finish the food given to you on your plate. 
So whenever my grandmother used to live with us and she used to just fill our plates and we would eat so much, we'd almost get sick. But it was a cultural thing to not leave food behind. I know some of you guys understand that. Um, Every family is different, right? So you just got to find something that works for you. And every kid is different. So play on their strengths. Look at what they do and look at what they don't do. And then go from there, you know? Again, these are suggestions, but hey, if something works, if I say something and your child licks a food tomorrow, what's the harm in that? You know what I mean? But definitely talk to your therapist for more suggestions. And even if you just want to talk about the environment, you know, let them know. And they will definitely go through what the research says, because that's what we do, right? We go off of research, but you know your child better than the research does. You know your child better than the therapist does. So talk to your therapist and together come to a conclusion, you know, maybe we'll get your kiddo eating again. Well, I hope you enjoyed, and um, I'll be back again with the next episode. I'm not sure what it's going to be on right now, but I'm sure I'll figure something out. It's been a pleasure, and I hope you enjoyed, or shall I say, bon appétit.